0: the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. May be seated. It's indeed my pleasure to be with you all. Um, Seems rather strange to be standing up here after so many years away. Um, I do not take lightly the opportunity that I have to engage my colleagues here as we are co-learners and co-growers in the gospel. And so the time that we have in this space means a great deal. I did thank the dean of the chapel for the invitation and thank my colleagues for help helping to set the atmosphere here. And I want to respect that time by being brief. But before I launch into my sermon, I want to say thank you all for helping me to chip off another sermon on these 200. So, <laughs> as a matter of practical uh, practical import. I appreciate you all being witness to this particular. Um, for the time that's ours this evening, I'd like to share with you from this thought, looking for what's already found. Looking for what's already found. It seems rather strange that the incarnate God would, in flesh, God's self, and then set sight. Set sight on a place. Set sight at a time, and set sight for a reason. The Gospel of Luke chapter 9, round about verse 50 or so, 51, suggests that Jesus resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. The resolute nature of Jesus's disposition spoke to the seriousness in which God had Face the human condition. For God saw the wretchedness and the woefulness of human interactions. God understood that for human beings to be able to live into the fullness of God's offering, God knew that God would have to offer God's self as sacrifice for our disobedience and disconnection. Jesus healing lepers, Jesus admonishing, Jesus being present, has all set the stage for where we are today. We're sitting at this place in the text where Jesus is about to make his push into the heart of Jerusalem. He is moving with pace and with vigor toward his impending capital punishment. And for the powers that coagulate against his flourishing, these religious and political forces, They are now brooding, they are now gathering like storm clouds on the horizon to bring an end to the Son of Man. Jesus, much like a parent preparing their child before they leave home, is gathering his disciples and those that follow him in the way. Gathers them to instill in them principles that would outlast. These eternal words that will help to invigorate our finite selves into a more translucent being on earth. Jesus is investing in these disciples who seem not to be able to see what's happening in their midst. Can you blame them? Would you expect that God, sitting in the celestial throne of God's grandeur, would come down and enflesh God's selves? God's self in our affairs and our concerns to such minutia that even when we were wrong, Jesus would nudge us in the right direction. Jesus is attending to these people's inability to see what's going on in their midst. This text reminds me of my own human finitude. Saints, I'm getting older. And one of the realities of getting older is embracing the ways in which the body goes the way of dust. One of these keen awarenesses came for me when I had to go to the eye doctor and said, for your profession and for the wear and tear on your eyes, we recommend that you, Dr. Jefferson, take these pair of glasses home. And for most of my life, I'd never had glasses So I had never thought about the life-changing occurrences that would have come from these ocular appendages. And so one of the great moments of consternation I had was when I went home one day after a long day. I sat down, I took off my shoes, I took off my suit, and I was beginning to unwind. But right before I was able to put my feet up, I felt this great sense of panic. I have lost. These expensive glasses. Some of you know the feeling of wondering where in the world are these things that I need so much. The way that I can make sense of the world is seemingly detached from me. And after an hour of tearing up my house that was already in strange shape in the first place, I found that the glasses that I was looking for, my sister and my brother, were already sitting on my head. I realized that I was looking for something that I had already found. I I was unable to perceive the nearness of what I was looking for because of my desperation to exercise energy trying to find it. And that temptation is what is gripping these disciples in the text. For I would like to start with Jesus's admonishment before we talk about the proactive action that Jesus encourages. For he says that as you are looking for apocalyptic signs of my coming, as you are trying to make sense of what it is that will predestine and speak to the ways in which I will come again, these things that you're trying to understand must be seen through the lens of my presence. These disciples were unable to see what was happening in their midst because the temptation that they had, the temptation that we have, is when we are not able to see the cosmic pyrotechnics of God's hand, we begin to look about in other places for God's confirmation. We see that relationships are not substantial enough. We begin to shake the moors of our faith because God has not answered us in the world when. God has not spoke to us with pillars of fire. For these Jews in Jesus' day were looking for an apocalyptic manifestation of God's presence, overturn Roman oppression in the ways in which we are being overly taxed and led into debt and being constantly put under the military occupation Of those who are not followers of Yahweh. So the least that God could do in my impinged-upon state is to in spectacular fashion vindicate me, vindicate us from our frustrations. But my sister and my brother, it seems that this desire for vindication, though earnest, though seeming responsible for the ways in which we can make sense of the world might fly in the face of the invitation at hand. For it is Jesus who's saying, do not run off to those who offer sweet nothings of eschatological brilliance. Do not wander off and pursue those shiny signs that can be fabricated and manufactured by empire. In fact, If you seek to run off to chase the shiny things of culture, you will miss the fact that I am the king that is in your midst. You will miss the fact that my dominion, my domain consists of this entire world, the created order and all that is in it. And if you miss the fact that I am with you, you will seek the temptation of, of producing and pursuing temporary benefits. Wanting to patch up our esteem with identity, class, education, and all the perfunctory opportunities for us to exercise our sense of belonging. What's at stake in this text, my sister, and what's at stake in this text, my brother, is the fact that instead of using our energy to pursue the things beyond our grasp because the God that we serve is not shiny enough, The invitation is clear. The kingdom of God is not out there. It is not to be acquired with power. The kingdom of God is among you. It is in each and every one of us. And no external power can change the fact that God is at work in us in the difficult work of staying together. The kingdom of God is among us where there are two or three gathered. God is in the midst. So in this strange place of seminary, we are being invited and even commanded to find new ways to stay together to live in ways that bring out the best in us, because how can we preach the kingdom of God out there if the kingdom of God does not reign in our hearts in here? So what does that mean, preacher? It means stop gossiping about your neighbor. It means uplift your neighbor when you see them going the wrong way. It means wrapping your arms around them, letting them know that friend, we are in this together. You are a fellow bearer of the kingdom of God. And whatever we don't do here will not magically happen once we leave. Jesus, as he's making his movement toward the cross, as he faces the end of his his existential reality, he then begins to dance on the edge. resurrection by saying that the kingdom of God does not die when I die but as I am resurrected the kingdom of God is yet among you and that must be the throbbing core that must be your life's mission to bring about the kingdom of God but it does not happen in isolation so where are we my sisters and my brothers we are invited to draw near to those who we would pull away from We're invited to live and love radically in ways that claim us to be uncomfortable in the pursuit of the love of God. And in that pursuit of a Jesus who has his eyes set on the heart of our iniquity and our shortcomings, we will be transformed in the way. My sister, yes, my brother, my friend in Jesus, We are invited not to try to seek the periphery of the amazing, but we're invited to the work of the communal. Meet God at work amongst us. For the kingdom of God, yes, is among Among us. Amen.